Welcome to the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs show, a safe place for women to heal and grow, where we discover our value, share our tears as we go through the hard times and rise up as we become empowered to meet our challenges head on. Let me ask you a question. Has your heart been broken? Have you been hurt by somebody that you love? Have you been let down? Have you felt like just giving up on love? Does a good relationship feel like it's something that other people can experience, but something that is just always out of your reach? Are you worried that if you get into another relationship that you will just get hurt all over again if you let somebody else into your life? If you've answered yes to any of these questions, then please stick around because today's guest, Victoria Pelletier, is here to talk about how you can become unstoppable in love and life. And today I ask you to set aside some time because I never want you to give up on love and I never want you to give up on you. Don't rush away right now and and jump on some dating app just because I'm telling you to never give up on love. Because first you need to know five steps to make sure you are ready to dive back in to find that new love. I almost gave up on ever meeting a good man and that ache of loneliness that I felt in my heart almost seemed just too much to bear. It was horrible. I've been there in that place of wishing and wondering if Mr. Wright would ever come along and I've had my heart broken and I've been let down and I've been betrayed. So if you have answered yes, please know that I empathize with you. Maybe it's not Mr. Right that you're looking for. Maybe it's Ms. Right. Just know that your happiness matters. So again, I will say to you, never give up on love and never give up on you. Okay, Let's hear what Victoria Pelletier, the award-winning executive leader, number one best-selling author, in-demand professional public speaker, corporate executive, board director, entrepreneur, number one social seller, public brand worldwide per LinkedIn F500 employers, sought out for discussions on motivation, diversity, equity, and inclusion, women in leadership, culture, workforce, and more. She's unstoppable and let's hear what she has to say to help you be that unstoppable you too. Just a caution, if you feel unsafe at any time, please stop listening. You can come back anytime you are in a safe place to listen to the rest of the podcast. Your safety is the most important thing to consider. Hello, Victoria, and a very warm welcome to the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast. Thank you so much for being a guest on today's show. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Well, I'm really glad to have you here today because the conversation that I'm hoping to have with you is one that really revolves around women finding a place of empowerment again on the other side of leaving an abusive relationship. And from what I know of you so far, you are certainly one of those people and really in a position to talk on this topic. So um, I suppose to give us just that bit of uh, insight into who you are, Victoria, but just share a bit about yourself that is going to be something that other women are going to relate to in this podcast. Sure. So First of all, I should tell you my personal philosophy or mantra for life and the way I sign a lot of my social media posts with hashtag unstoppable. The second one is no excuses. And I can share more on that one. It annoys the heck out of my kids for sure. But where this comes from, it quite frankly, is overcoming 
yes, and I can, I'll talk about relationships, but I, I did overcome significant trauma and adversity in my youth. And I think that's where it informed a lot of this drive and my ability to pick myself up after challenge after challenge um, and move forward. And so the origin of my story is that I was born to a drug addicted teenage mother who beat me quite severely, pushed me upstairs, downstairs. I had a cigarette in my eye and were, you know, a patch for months. That one was more carelessness than an intentionality, but just symptomatic of what it was like living with her. And in fact, I remember sort of the last moments of being in her care was her calling the woman who ended up adopting me and said, come and get her before I kill her. So those are my early years and, um, and that informed a lot of, um, you you know, who I was in terms of um, the walls that I built up and barriers around me, the fear of rejection, the fear of not being loved. It also impacted who I think uh, for my first many relationships, who I chose to be with as a result of whether I felt i I deserved a certain type of, of love, but it's that, that hardened me early on. And that's where the unstoppable comes from. I chose to be better than the biology I was born into and circumstance. So I'm fortunate to be adopted, but I was adopted from a socioeconomic perspective on the lower end of that scale, a data janitor, my mama's secretary, no vacations, no ability to go on my school trips and all of those sorts of things. And that's what propelled me forward. I remember my, my mom telling me, I think I was 11 or 12. I remember her saying, Tori, you need to do better than us. And she meant socioeconomically, but, um, and as she pushed me towards my, my schooling and education, which she never said to, needed to say those things because I was determined to be better than, than the biology or the circumstance. And that's what's created this unstoppable philosophy and nature and my ability to, you know, move forward through very difficult circumstance. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Um, I'm really emotionally overwhelmed right now by what you've shared with me. You've been through so incredibly much um, in your life and you've been through things that you would never wish upon a child and uh, none of that was ever your fault, you know, and that was the circumstance that you were placed in. So to be able to rise above that and not fall into a um, into a victim or into, you know, victimhood because, you know, poor me, which would be completely understandable with, you know, what you had endured in your childhood, for that to then become embedded in you and carry through into your adulthood. But instead, you know, what I can see is that you have fought back against that and you fought back really hard to say, no, I'm not going to let that define me and, you know, I am going to make something of my life and I won't take no for an answer, which is is really such an amazing transformation to make coming from that very insecure background that you had as a child. And I hear that you're a mum now too, Victoria. So that's, you know, like how how is all of what you've been through in your own childhood um, affected how you parent now? I, um, I've, I've had this like idealized version of what, you know, family should look like, um, because I didn't, I didn't have it. And so I was, again, like I said, fortunate to be adopted. Um, I, but I was the only child in a home where I think my my dad sort of just supported what my mom had wanted and bringing me into the family. I bit, you know, theirs wasn't a loving relationship. I wondered why they never got divorced. He was unfaithful to her. Like it was just, so instead, you know, what I saw on TV is what, you know, I then idealized in terms of what I thought it should look like. And I fought hard for that, quite frankly. And um, so I have two children. I knew I was going to have more than one because I had always thought it would be great to have a sibling. 
Uh, and then be also because I had no biological ties or, or, or connection around me from a familial perspective, it, that it also just meant something so meaningful to me. So actually, my firstborn child, his name is Zoe, which means life. And my, I remember my mom saying, oh, that's cruel to name a boy Zoe. But I said this symbolically what it means in terms of me bringing a life and this life that's, you know, blood, blood to me and connected to me is, is very important. So I've been very focused on um, taking some of the learnings from my mom. She was really, she did actually force me to sit down and be incredibly self-reflective about the, my feelings and emotions and how that was driving me towards certain actions and behavior. So I was it was one thing I didn't say in that intro. I was I was raped at fourteen. I said some of those early years informed where I sought love and attention in, in wrong relationships, and um, and so for me that the self reflection and awareness has helped me. I hated it as a, as a teenager, but that's something I now do with my children to understand the place and the experiences we've had and how that um, drives their thoughts and language and and behavior going forward. And I've been incredibly intentional about showing them so, so much love, probably, I'm, you know, one of those embarrassing mothers who hugs and kisses them all the time and tells them before I get off any single call or text exchange, how much I love them. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I had always, you know, hoped for that and that feeling of safety in particular by, you know, the, the, the person who, you know, should love you most being your, your mother. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's so fantastic that you have given your children that skill of being self-reflective. Um, I think the, one of the things that I've sort of grown in awareness in as a parent too, is to, help my children to see that they have choices so that they don't feel limited and as though they're stuck and this is the only alternative for them. So to help them not to fall into becoming those victims of circumstance that we can so easily become in life and that is the place where we become so disempowered and um, we're robbed of our ability to sort of move forward it get, that holds us back and keeps us stuck so my children have been through a hell of a lot um, with my own experience and so I'm very mindful of what their triggers are and that they also need help in um, in forming the right kind of habits in life to help them not to fall into victimhood and yeah become disempowered but um, I loved what you said too about how you know demonstrative you are with your children and you know you just don't hold anything back when it comes to telling them how much you love them because we can take that for granted as parents that our children should just know that we love them because, hey, we're there for them, you know, 24-7. There's nothing in the world that we don't do for our children, you know, in terms of providing them with security and, you know, giving them the things that they need to be nurtured in life. And I think, you know, looking at that and you go, well, that equals love. You know, that's my that's my expression of love to my children is knowing, you know, that, that they don't feel as though they'll be abandoned. They've got that security from me. They know that no matter what they go through, I'm going to be there for them. Um, you know, I make sure that they get everything that they need in terms of their education, in terms of extracurricular stuff. And that's enough, isn't it? Because life is so busy that we kind of just pass each other and see you later, you know, and, uh, you know, have a good day and all of those kinds of things. And the those three words, you know, I love you, uh, often, you know, we can forget to say those if we don't. I think making it a habit is a great thing to, to do. Um, I repartnered after I came out of my abusive situation and I remarried and one of the things that my now husband um, said to me is I was never in the habit of saying I love you to my partner until you came along because you tell me I love you all the time and it really 
does it did point out to me that not everyone's in the habit of doing that and you know those words when they're unsaid you are in this place of not knowing for sure you know the level of love so I just love that you are so aware of this and that that it's such a priority for you with your children that they just it's like I can just feel this, you know, squeezing the, <laughs> the love into your children. You really want them to feel it and know it deep down that, yeah, that that love is so real. So that's just absolutely incredible. So one of the ways in which, um, you know, women are abused when they're in abusive relationships is financially. And one of the ways that they're disempowered in abusive relationships is um, that they are often um, either taken out of things become so unmanageable that they can't sustain their careers and they have lots of disruptions. And of course, you know, when you've got financial security, that puts you in a really empowered position to be able to make choices, you know, in your life. And, um, and one of those choices might be that you've, you don't want to be in that relationship anymore because that person's hurting you. And if you've got that financial security, then you're in a really empowered position to exit that relationship. But many women find themselves uh, completely disempowered financially, including having no job security. Now, I know that you are somebody who has um, worked very hard to gain that financial independence and that you have some really great strategies that you could share with um, women to help them to become more empowered in that way. Yeah, well, because of my earlier years, one of the things I always felt I was absolutely in control over was actually my work and my work performance, my work ethic and how I showed up. As a result of that, I became an executive at a very early age. I mean, I graduated a couple of years early and it started working at a very young age. And so actually I I'm fortunate um, that I've been the primary earner in the majority of my relationships. And so I didn't have the, I wasn't in the same situation as many of your listeners around what did that, my decision to leave a relationship wasn't hindered by um, my lack of, of funds or access to. However, what I will tell you is in leaving my, my ex, I, I felt a tremendous sense of guilt, in fact. And so I probably left no, not probably. I did. My lawyer was shocked at what I left behind. You know, I started over, you know, I had sort of a million dollar net worth by the time I was 30. And I walked away with $80,000 in my pocket at 33. Um, wow. Because all my, my mother in law who refinanced her home to buy me out of our matrimonial home and, and cottage and everything else. So I walked with my treadmill, my clothes, um, my vehicle, and later, $80,000 to start all over again. And that was more out of um, guilt than anything. And I was younger and the the role and, you know, I was in and my, so my view on money is, is very different. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, as I work with other and particularly women, I talk a lot around um, the trade-off in terms of their being a, a, a spouse or partner to someone being, and if they choose to be parents, um, not sacrificing, you know, their career, because at some point I, I am literally just about to become an empty nester with my youngest, who's just turned 18 and wants to go move in with her brother now. Um, you know, so I've got a long runway still. And so that's a big part of the advice I give is uh, about always maintaining um, you know, your career in, in in part, if not in whole, I know a lot of, you know, women will make a decision to, to stay at home and raise their children. And sometimes that makes sense financially, given cost of childcare and that sort of thing. But to recognize that not to lose themselves and all of that and maintain some of that security for themselves. And then there's, of course, a whole bunch of different strategies around different bank accounts, etc. I, 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 I've always been of the philosophy that my money has been our money. And so I haven't chosen to operate that way. But I've also always been in control of our finances. So I knew where everything sat, quite frankly. 
That's a really empowered place to be. Many women hand over the financial reins to their partner. Um, I am so glad that you've talked about this, Victoria, because I think um, I've had a recent conversation with somebody about this exact thing with the guilt that uh, even what that person really expressed that they needed to feel as though they were in no way indebted to their ex-partner at the end of the day and more so that what they had in terms of their own financial equity was that they had earned that. It's, you know, like it was such a, you know, just spoke to me so much as being something that women, because women, I, I think, have these really high sort of standards and, and a very high moral standing that we we want to know, you know, emphatically that we're not being indebted to somebody else. And I think, you know, traditionally, you know, women are put in this subservient role to men where, you know, men kind of have the upper hand with with women. And so it's, there's, there's still, even though, you know, we're fighting as women, we're fighting really hard for gender equality. I think that it, like these, these wounds in women run really deep and, and there's like we need to retrain ourselves to think differently, to think that we are equals and that, you know, we should have just equal standing with our partners and that, you know, we contribute just as much. It's really hard to work out that um, the inequities or the, you know, the, the differences because there will be differences in the roles that you play in that relationship. Like you said, you were the primary breadwinner and that put you in a different position where you were thinking that you needed to perhaps be a bit more generous with your ex-partner for, for that reason. So it's um, making these settlement decisions, uh, you know, coming to conclusions when it comes to financial settlements, I think is a really complex thing to do and um, you were in a very empowered position because you were managing the finances so there wasn't anything being hidden under the table from you which is the case quite often with women when they're negotiating a financial settlement that there won't be full disclosure with you know and and the man will walk off with um you know money because they've hidden assets along the way so um so it's good to have this conversation about financial settlement and have you got any tips from your experience with how women can sort of um, be, I suppose, a bit more strategic with, uh, you know, working on their financial equity or their settlements when it comes to, you know, the dissolution of a relationship? We'll be back with more in just a minute. Before we do, we want to give you a bit of motivation and let you know what's on offer to help you with some of life's frustrations. This podcast is proudly brought to you by The Key To Be Free, a support service organisation helping people to be empowered and to create a life they no longer feel they need to escape from. And to help you to get started on your journey to a life where you feel free to be all that you want to be, there is a free gift waiting for you. All you need to do is go to www.thekeytobefree.com.au and to make it super easy, go to the episode notes and you will find a link that will take you straight there. This gift will help you with two key areas in your life that will help your life to be happier and more fulfilling it's a gift that you can tap into over and over again it's one that'll heal your heart and your hip pocket so tap that link to get your free gift the love and abundance guided meditation but wait you may be in need of some extra support right now and we want to make sure that you get that so we have also added a link to a crisis support list to help you 
on your way to get the right support at the right time to make everything all right again. Okay, back to the show. Well, I think it's understanding the finances ideally from from the start of a relationship and you you know you, you're making a decision together to go in and either have maintain you know single bank accounts and you contribute to you know joint or shared expenses or you know or um put everything all together in one regardless of what your decision is in terms of how you move forward with that regards and i know people who've been married 20 30 years and their finances are completely separate except for kind of that shared piece that's not how i i cho- i choose to move forward but i do think you need to understand from the beginning um so for anyone who's going to that in your listening audience who's restarting over in a relationship to Make sure even if you let your partner handle the majority of the finance activities to be in the know and be knowledgeable. So even though I still continue, I am also remarried, but I make a point of sitting down with my husband to walk him through, you know, we have a financial advisor and, you know, I have him involved in every one of those calls. And for him, it's a little over his head. He never really had to deal with all of this stuff before, but I also want him to understand this is what we have. So I, you know, tell the women to make sure that they're doing the same. They're asking that again, at the beginning of a relationship, not just as things start to go sour so that they're in a position of strength and knowledge, which is so much more powerful. And then, you know, should the, the relationship dissolve to be able to you know, no, negotiate from a place of strength and power going forward. It doesn't surprise me that you have remarried. Um, when I say that, um, it's because you are such a strong person and you know your own mind and you've you've got what you need to have in control, in control in your life. And I guess that's um, allowed you to take some risks again and that's I know that um taking risks is something that women who've been abused it's not easy for them to some women choose never to go into explore even explore having another relationship they're like I'm done I'm done (laughs) I'm done with men no more (laughs) but uh, then there are uh, you know some women who you know they would like that companion in their life they they would like to have somebody to walk through life with and share their heart with and also be loved in in return um but there's always risk involved isn't there when you get into a new relationship with all the best intentions knowing that you know this is hopefully going to be for the rest of your living days kind of arrangement it doesn't necessarily always you know go that way we don't know what's around the next corner um and as well as we hope that we know somebody we don't always know everything about them when we take that plunge it is it is always a plunge I I believe anyway um what you know what did you sort of look out for because you've come from a place of you know being um used and abused by other people in your life. So what were the important, I guess, boxes for you to tick when you were looking for that partner, you know, your now husband? So it's it's really interesting because, you know, I had shared with you that I think some of the relationships I sought out were impacted by those early years for me, like I said, fear of rejection, you know, not even, uh, I, I think loving and believing in myself that I believe that I believed that I should be loved in a certain way. So, you know, raped at 14, Mm -hmm. I had a boyfriend, um, you know, who physically assaulted me, um, probably when I was 20 and I met my ex, what I didn't disclose to you is my ex is an ex-wife, uh, and who, yeah, so we met when I was 22 and she was 35. And although we didn't have an abusive marriage, what I realized as I grew and matured is she was extremely controlling. And then I made a decision to leave the our marriage. I stayed in it longer than um, I I should have for my children. I gave birth to my two children while we were 
together. Uh, and she got actually very abusive to me physically and was arrested after we separated. And then even after that, I had one relationship for a couple of years with a man who um, cheated on me after two and a half years. So like, and I, I think I, I needed to be personally reflective. Now their actions and behaviors, they needed to all own. However, my choice and partners and how I showed up in that relationship and walls and whatnot, I might've had around me and that caused some, you know, dynamics in our relationship I needed to own. And, and it wasn't until my early to mid thirties, uh, that, I gained a much greater confidence in myself and comfort in my own skin, quite frankly. What's interesting um, is that I was, so I was single, well, single when I met my husband, but in a place of like my ex, unfortunately passed away later from cancer. Mm -hmm. And so I had taken my children away um, for the Christmas vacation because it was so, the death was so close to like Christmas. And I was like, had been, was single. And I thought, oh my God, my only focus is my children who've had to deal with the loss of a parent after a messy divorce and some of the stuff that happened and the abuse and her arrest and those things like afterwards to um, being really focused on them and making sure they got the right support from a grief counseling perspective. And my job had me on the road all the time. So I also knew I was going to need to change likely companies or career. So last thing I was looking for was a partner. And then wouldn't, you know, I meet my husband, um, on vacation, <laughs> like, and my daughter invited him to join us for dinner when she found out he was by himself at Christmas time. So she, she does like to think that she got us together, but I think what, um, you know, I've realized is again, so I think I'm a, a much better human and partner overall because of my comfort and confidence with who I am, uh, and what I want in a partner. I, I never gave up on love though. I always, despite the very tough relationships I'd had prior to my husband now where next month we'll be together for nine years. Uh, I, I knew that I'm, I personally believe I'm better partnered. I prefer to be partnered. I want my person who's there beside me. That is that confidant that at the end of the day, although he's not in the same remotely in the same kind of corporate environment that I am, I can vent to him and have a conversation with her. I don't need advice. I just need him to listen. Right. And so um, I, I would, you know, tell your audience much like the sort of being unstoppable that, you know, I think there's this, a moment I, I, I spent a lot of time on stages. I do a lot of public speaking and I talk about this healthy level of resilience that I've built and it wasn't always healthy, but now it comes from having a goal or objective and that being the North star, whatever it is, personal or professional, um, two is being incredibly self-reflective. And so I've needed to do that. How did I end up in these, how did I choose these partners? And why did I stay in these relationships for so long? What is it about me? And what do I need to do to change or, you know, be different? I, I, the, another one is around giving myself permission to fail, like date, put yourself out there. Like it's hard, it's tough. Um, and you're going to go through a ton of frogs before you find your prince or princess, whomever you choose to date. Uh, and, but then always with that, you know, mindset in, in terms of what's the goal, what's the objective, you know, it, it, there's going to be some tough moments, but you pick yourself back up and you move one step forward. Uh, and sometimes when you're not looking much like my case, you know, my, my forever person, my person, and he is amazing, you know, came in the Dominican Republic, a fellow Canadian, but he lived eight hours away from me at the time um, that I needed to meet, you know, while on a sandy beach, but with a real focus on make, making sure my children were healing. That's absolutely amazing. And I absolutely love, love, love that you have um, repartnered and I love your message to women. I really think that that is such a fantastic way of looking at things and um, a really good mix of different strategies to move forward in your life and to um, when you were talking about that kind of that self-reflection, you know, I had this thought pop into my head about when it, that we can beat ourselves up, you know, when we become a bit self-reflective, that it can be a really hard place to go for that reason because, you know, nobody's ever going to be harder on us than we are on ourselves. So 
have you got a strategy up your sleeve, which I'm kind of thinking that you will have, <laughs> for dealing with that to get yourself like past that so that you're not, you don't stop there. You don't get to this place of self-condemnation and say, you know, like, why on earth did I make that choice with that person? There's got to be something drastically wrong with me for me to have made that choice. How do you, how do you get past that? Well, I, I think it's, um, I, I mean, I do think we need to evaluate and look at, you know, the w- woman that stands across from us in the mirror. And in my case, as I said, I, I was a common denominator in these relationships, or even as I think about work choices, I made. I'm the common denominator. What, what is it? And so n- not from a place of trying to beat myself up, but to, to try and be like, what was I seeking in those relationships or what was lacking that chose that allowed me to, to choose the relationships or to stay for the periods of time that I have. So that's one. Two is I think it's it's important to surround yourself with this cadre of um, people who will be your supporters and balance that out because we are, as you said, our toughest critic quite often. And so having dialogue with others who will be radically candid with you because they care, they love, and they want you to be better, but can can balance out how hard we are on one another. And the next step is then in choosing to move forward, there's a requirement as you reflect on the things that we could do better or different to lean into some of those things that make us really uncomfortable and start to model the thought, the language, and the action that we know we need to do to move forward and just become, you know, better humans ourselves in the model or way that we want to. And then that allows us to be good partners to someone else. Fantastic. Yeah, really good. And you were talking about, you gave yourself permission to be imperfect. That was so true. That rings so true because that I think has been one of the keys to me feeling liberated in my life to just explore and take those risks because I now don't put myself under this, you know, unrealistic, tremendous amount of pressure that is, you know, like I've got to get everything perfect, you know, and I've just allow myself to, okay, I am going to stuff things up. I'm not (laughs) going to, I'm not going to get it right all of the time. And that's just, um, that's just what's going to happen. But eventually I'm going to get really good at things. And, and, you know, that goes with being a partner to somebody too. When I went into my relationship with my now husband, um, I was still pretty triggered, you know, and I'd say that I haven't healed completely when it comes to my triggers. That we're, you know, it is definitely a journey that I'm on. So I, but I've got so much awareness around it now. And I think that's another one of those keys when you talk about that self-reflection, that's living in a state of awareness, you know, being very conscious about, you and you know yourself and you know your actions and your thoughts and your emotions and when you do something and it's reactive and you you look at it and you go okay that's where did that come from well you know why did I feel a need to be reactive and defensive in that moment you know and just get to that place of self-reflection is fantastic and having conversations being really transparent with your uh with your partner to say you know I do have my baggage (laughs) I come to you with baggage and um I'm working on it you know I'm definitely working on it so I'm not going to be perfect with you all the time and you know I'm going to there'll be opportunities for me to say I'm sorry (laughs) you know (laughs) 
right. I didn't need to do that. And, you know, I'll I'll try and do better next time and, you know, work on that thing on myself. So, um, yeah, it's good to get to that point in, I feel really good anyway in my life that I'm at that place where I'm ready to take full stock of, you know, what's going on in my days and my relationships and everything that I'm doing in connecting in the world and and get to that place of being very aware and self-reflective to um to do the best that I can you know and improve and grow and develop as a as a person and um one of those things that you said about being you know a partner also rang true for me because I know my husband and I we have this you know wonderful appreciation for what you get in being in a relationship that's you know it's such a plus to be, have that companion to be able to bounce things off and and just you know say this is what I've happened not that they're necessarily going to have any answers for you or anything but you're not in your own bubble you've got somebody else who's who's got that sort of objectivity that offers that objectivity and that is one of you know the most priceless things you can have in a healthy relationship so yeah I emphasize healthy because you're not going to get that in in the wrong relationship in an unhealthy relationship so very interesting one other thing Victoria is that you know you talked about your um your various partners and being with both genders you know at one point or another in your life and um and that is you know more and more um accepted today which is absolutely wonderful and um and I had a conversation with somebody very recently about all of the LGBTQIA plus and and what it comes down to at the end of the day is not the gender but it's about the connection that you have with that person. So, um, yeah, I really appreciate that and I totally embrace it. Um, I uh, have people who are LGBTQIA plus in my own sphere and, um, and I completely embrace that in life and I think that um, it's wonderful that it is being more and more embraced by people in general as it really needs to be yeah so look on that note what I'd like to ask you is have you got any links that you would like to share for people to be able to connect with you and find you yeah absolutely so I have a website a personal website which is victoria-peltier.com I'll spell it P-E- L-L-E-T-I-E-R.com. And I post regularly. I mean, I'm, I do a lot of speaking and media engagement, so that you'll see a little bit of that there. But really, I actually write a lot of content around things that mean a lot to me, like leadership and culture, overcoming adversity, around diversity and inclusion. And so it'll all be found there on the website. So I look forward to people connecting with me there. Fantastic. Well, I, for one, am very happy to have connected with you and to have met you. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you is on your heart to share? Mostly in knowing who um, majority of your audience listening are that, um, you know, it it's tough. And these are going to be some of the darkest days, particularly for those who might be either in that situation or just recently made a decision to leave. All I can say is, you know, there is there is a light uh, at the end. And in the meantime, it's one foot in front of the other. Uh, and, you know, focusing back to what I would say are some of my steps around that level of resilience in terms of understand where you're going by setting yourself a goal. And they can be baby steps, like again, one small goal each day or each week um, to move towards, um, you know, that that reflection surrounding yourself by this great tribe of people who are going to support you, giving yourself permission to fail um, giving yourself permission to have the emotion in the moment, but then to go right back to that step number one in terms of just, you know, refocusing. And so, you know, it's, it's tough, it gets better. Um, but there, 
is an incredible opportunity to be unstoppable, to use my phrase and my mantra uh, in uh, in moving forward. Fantastic. And a question that I ask all my guests, because um, this podcast is called Tiara's Tears and Triumphs, what does that title mean to you as a woman or as a person? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love it. I mean, I... um, I mean, being named Victoria, I'm often called Queen Victoria, and some people do it as a joke. So I'd love to have, you know, my tiara on uh, 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 tea. Certain that's a tea is a moment actually for me. If we're talking about sipping, you know, tea, it's a great opportunity for me just to be, you know, very um, reflective. That's one of those great opportunities uh, for me for sure. Um, and triumphs. I mean, that is what I just, for me, that's being unstoppable. That's the small wins and successes. It's the one step, you know, we put the one foot in front of the other as we're moving forward. So I I love it. I love the name of the podcast. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast today, Victoria. Thanks for having me. If you would like to be a part of a growing community to fast track your healing journey, you can do this in a couple of ways. One way you can do this is to become a supporter of this podcast by becoming a patron. This will help me to help you and other people just like you to discover the resources that are included in this podcast to help you rise back up after hitting rock bottom, after experiencing different forms of abuse. And like I said, you can do this by becoming a patron of this podcast. It's super easy. Just go to the episode notes and click on the link to become a patron. When you are a patron, you will receive exclusive bonuses like the behind the scenes audio files with deep and meaningful insights from conversations with guests that are not included in the podcast interviews. Plus, there are a range of special building blocks to help you to rebuild your life. So go check it out. And you can join the growing Rise Up with Tiara's Tears and Triumphs Facebook group with over 400 members where you can troubleshoot issues you're having. Every victim and every survivor of abuse has expertise and being part of a community of peers gives you a safe place to get answers to questions that you have and to share what you know with others. Again, Just go to the episode notes to become a member of the group today. We all go through dark times. When we do, we often feel alone. This is a safe space for you to come and look for some light. I'm a survivor of an abusive relationship and for a long time I had no voice because I was too scared to speak up and speak out about what was happening to me. I couldn't see a light at the end of the tunnel, but when I turned a corner in my life, the light started filtering through and I left my old life behind. I am here now to help other women feel seen, heard and valued. I'm reaching out with my light, shining on you to help you find your way out of the darkness. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. A note of encouragement. If you are struggling with your mental health, please reach out for support with some form of counselling. If you don't know where to start to find a counsellor, a good place to start is to talk with your doctor. There are also many online counselling supports available. And a word of advice, if the counsellor is not a good fit for you, try another. And if you need to, try another until you have one that is the right fit 
for you. Tune in again for the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast, helping women who have been hurt to heal and grow, hosted by me, Sandy J. This program provides a safe place to work on inner peace and a strong mindset, spells out how to spot the red flags, advises on ways to stay safe and work on effective safety planning, gives tips on how to look after you when things are tough, teaches empowerment strategies, acknowledges life's challenges and explores ways to meet these challenges head on, to go from surviving to rising to striving and finally to thriving. The show includes interviews with other survivors who have come out the other side, who share their stories and insights, as well as interviews with therapists and people working in support roles. I am a survivor and I use my experience and skills to help other women like me. Please listen and be uplifted to rise in this safe space where dignity, kindness and compassion are treasured. And don't forget, if you need some support, I am here for you. I don't want any woman to suffer alone in silence. I don't want any woman to feel oppressed and feel that there is no way out. I want you to know that you can turn a corner. I am a life change facilitator. I help women regain control over their lives. You can find me at sandyj.com.au. Hey now, can you just pause a moment before you go? Because I need you to share your light and leave a review. Can you just take a quick minute to leave a review in iTunes to let other women know this is a show they can trust? It would mean the world to me if you could help shine a light for someone who can't see the light at the end of their tunnel. I need you to do this for someone else who needs some support and encouragement. If you like this show, please subscribe and you will automatically be updated with future episodes when they are released. And please share this podcast with anyone you know who it might help. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Sending you lots of love and light and above all else, wishing you well. You are brilliant. Keep shining. Stay safe. Sandy.